Hello, I'm Martin. And I'm Angelina. And this is the CX Cast. We are a CX podcast, so we're going to talk about CMOs today. I'm joined by Angelina, as always, and also by VP Principal Analyst Shah Van Boskirk, who is an increasing regular of the podcast. Welcome, Shah. Hey, Martin. Thanks for having me back. No problem. So I'm going to ask you the blunt question first. What makes an effective CMO? Oh, I love this question because this is something that I have been noodling on for about five years. I just kept thinking that I could find a formula that maybe everyone could follow. And then we would get out of a lot of what you hear about limited CMO tenure and lots of turnover, et cetera, et cetera. And what I found, I'll tell you the answer to your question, is that while there is not a single formula that every CMO should follow, there is an answer, which is that an effective CMO is one that fits the company context that they are a part of. So fit makes a CMO effective. I knew the analyst in you was going to have a, it depends kind of answer. (laughs) But I think what this kind of gets us into is you identified a whole bunch of archetypes of CMOs, haven't you, types of CMOs. So talk us through that and think about how do you you work out which type you are, which type you want to become? Yes. So in this research, we learned that there are different flavors of CMO. And you could be that flavor and be particularly effective if you are the flavor that your company needs, or you could be that flavor and be an abysmal failure because you are not the flavor that your company needs. So we started looking at what were the conditions of a business that would identify what type of CMO they needed, and then could we profile the characteristics of those different types of CMOs so that an individual could identify who they are. So let me talk you through the dimensions of the business first. That's a good orientation. So if you think a little bit about any company and the way that they might think about marketing and the chief marketing officer or the head of the marketing function, we looked at those businesses in two dimensions. So along the x-axis is the influence that marketing has within the organization. There's some organizations where marketing is a heavy driver of strategy, heavily influential, There are some businesses where marketing is not that, maybe more of a service bureau or a response organization that other people are kind of directing. Then on the y-axis is the organization's state of change. So think about this as sort of how much disruption you're experiencing right now. Are you in a steady state? You know, business as usual, you're a mature organization, or are you experiencing a lot of disruption? Maybe your industry is getting disrupted. Maybe your business is going through a change because of changing digital emphasis, because of competitors, because of business model disruption, that sort of thing. And the type of CMO you need depends on where you might plot yourself against that two by two. So I'll just give you a few examples so that you can kind of orient around what sort of businesses might live in these different places. So if you are a pretty steady state organization, so business feels good, don't have a lot of disruption happening, and marketing is heavily influential at your company, you might be like MasterCard. You've probably heard of Raja Rajaminar, the very vocal CMO of MasterCard. He's responsible for launching MasterCard's true name, Card, which was MasterCard honoring whatever gender preferences an individual had in their name. 
and allowing that to be the name that they have on their card. That was Rajaminar's influence, even though it was a, a product innovation. Marketing has a heavy influence. Okay, if you are a steady state organization and marketing is maybe not driving a lot of business strategy, you might be like Pfizer. So Pfizer got a, a CMO that is very communications oriented, super imperative to their business, but not directing what pharmaceutical products or the formularies of their products, but essential to managing the steady state of that business and communicating to the world. Now, if you are an organization where marketing is influential, but you're in a lot of change, there's a lot of disruption, you might be like Stephanie Gallo at E&J Gallo Winery that came up with all sorts of new ways to distribute alcohol and spirits in the course of the pandemic when bars, restaurants, and many stores were closed. Lots of disruption happening there. And then on the left-hand side of that, you've got disruption happening and marketing isn't super influential. You've got Everett Taylor from Artsy, which is an organization that sort of brokerages the buying and selling of fine art, or Alex Schultz at Facebook. Like, matters a lot that you can wear a lot of hats. There's a lot of disruption happening, but marketing is just one of many functions that are trying to sort of roll that business into its next state. So not to get too carried away with all of this stuff, we then mapped the type of CMO that is the right fit based on those two dimensions. It's already introduced way more nuance to how I think about CMOs. Those poor CMOs, although, you know, we don't always have a lot of pity for them, but those poor CMOs, they are often either labeled traditional or progressive, and that's pretty much it. And they're either doing great at their job or they're fired. It feels like the tenure can be really short if the fit isn't right. Have you observed that or is that just what I think to be the truth? So it's interesting because what I wanted to do with this research was take the stigma out of whatever type of CMO you are. There's no reason that you should be worried about being a steady state CMO. If that's who you are and you have a lot of operational strength and the business needs that skill set, that is an essential type of executive. So I think you're right, Angelina. There's this expectation that if you're not this super edgy, sharp elbowed CMO, you're not contributing to, you know, the future of, of digital business. And what this research finds is that that's not the case, that businesses have a lot of different needs. Individuals have a lot of different skill sets. And you could be banging your head into the wall because you are forcing your skill set into a mold that doesn't need that skill set. And so what we have found in this research and what I'm telling CMOs and, and companies that are targeting CMOs, frankly, that are trying to sell their goods and services into CMOs, is that it, it's worth thinking through the dimensions of the individuals that maybe you are as an aspiring CMO or that you are going into as a company that's going into selling into the marketing function. And so we kind of profiled these CMOs against five different aptitudes, empathy, communication, operations, disruption, and creativity. Where are you? Where would you identify your strengths if you did an honest assessment of what those things are? And then we said, okay, based on those strengths, here's the archetype that you are. You are either a change agent, someone with sharp elbows going in to disrupt a lot of things because your business is in a state of disruption, 
you're a business leader, you can still drive a lot of followers and you can lead the business, but the organization doesn't need you to sort of fight your way through a lot of disruption. You are a trusted operator. You're just very, very good at managing things in a steady state. Or you're a jack of all trades. You're really good at juggling a lot of balls and keeping all of that in the air. And if you can honestly suss out which of those archetypes best aligns with your skill set, then you know if you can maybe go to a company where that skill set is in demand, or you can take that skill set and enhance what you don't have as strengths today. Like my company might need something from me that I don't naturally have, or I haven't gained through my previous experiences, so I can build that out. Or maybe it's just a matter of helping your organization see that there are forces affecting them that they haven't recognized. Like maybe there's more disruption going on than they know. And if you point that out, then you as a disruptor CMO have a better home base. So there's no chagrin associated with being a trusted operator. Where I think the, the friction lives or the misfit lives is when everyone tries to model a certain type of executive and then they, they want to force that into a business that doesn't need it or they want to force that on themselves when that's not something that they're good at or that they should be good at based on their professional position. So it seems like, I don't know how many CEOs we have listening to this podcast, hopefully hundreds, but you know, probably not. But it seems like as a CMO, a CEO, sorry, you could use this as a toolkit to say, hey, here's where our business is. As I recruit my new CMO, this is the operational characteristics of the person I want. 100%. Yes, 100%. And I think that's also why you see the such short tenure with the CMO is because no one has done that diligence to think about who they need and what fit would work. But let's imagine, shocker for Angelina, I'm a CMO in an organization and I think I'm going to get fired in three months time. Can I use this research to, well, probably can use it to help me find a new job, but can I use it to look at myself, my skill set, my fit for the organization? And what can I do about that? Yeah. So I think that The first step here is to be pretty honest about your own skill profile. Don't don't disguise what the things are that you like to do, the way you're wired. Be honest about where your strengths are and maybe where some of the places are that are not your natural inclination. And do that honestly and without without any sort of, of stigma, because then that helps you think through your next steps. Are there things that you want to develop? And that could mean actual professional development, gain skills, learn things that you don't currently have. Maybe that means aligning with stakeholders that are part of your business already. So I don't have a skill set, but I know that the EVP of digital has this, or I want to align with somebody on the tech team or the analytics team that has an aptitude that I don't have. So you could leverage skill sets. You could also find partners that can enhance that skill set. Or perhaps it means that you know you're just not a fit. It just isn't a place where you're going to be happy. And so then it can help you plan for your next option. I'm going to look for a place where I can gain the skills I don't have. Or I'm going to look for a place where the skills I do have can be really, really expressed. The other thing I I tell CMOs, particular to your question, Martin, is um, maybe you have all the right fit. It's just that no one is listening to you. And so then that's a matter of creating credibility. You know, getting people to hear you, getting people to trust that you're somebody who is valid and has a reasonable fit within the organization. And that might be around things like finding common ground. I talked to Laura Hollingsworth, who's the CMO of the Grand Old Opry, 
and Opry Entertainment, which has a number of other music venues. And she said that her greatest boon when she became the CMO was just creating consensus and relationships with the ops people, because that was the group that ran the company. And so once she was sort of on their team, everybody started listening to her from a marketing and communications leader perspective. So that can also be a way that even if your fit is already right, but you just don't feel like anyone gets it, you can create some credibility around who you are and the work that you're doing and why it matters to the organization by latching on to stakeholders and sort of getting their attention by supporting the work that they do. Okay, can I just say, while you were talking, I opened up your report, The Effective CMO. Sometimes I read business books and I'm like, could this just be a report? Like I'm done after a few pages. This is the opposite. (laughs) This is like a picture book. First of all, all your frameworks are beautiful figures and it's really long, but it's hitting on everything you just described beautifully. It's a masterpiece of market research. I just had to plug it again, the effective CMO for those who haven't read it yet. Well, thank you. I, I too would love it if people took a look at this research because it's a, it's a great thought starter. It is both a personal development tool. It is also a business strategy tool. Like maybe your marketing function hasn't been doing what you need it to do because you've been thinking about the function in the wrong way. And I hope that this introduces a sort of dimensionality to the way to think about it that is super practical. So thank you, Shah, for sharing that. As Angelina said, please go take a look at the research and let us know as well. Like I said at the start, this is a CX podcast. We're talking about CMOs. We're talking about some other things. If you want more CMO content, let us know. Maybe we can find some more else to talk to you. Maybe we just get Sharon every week. Who knows? <laughs> so until next week, <laughs> thank you, Shar, And thank you, Angelina, for co-hosting. Thanks, guys. And thank you to producers Ellie and Julia, without whom none of this would happen. If you want to get in touch, email us at cxcast at forrester.com. Message us on Twitter at cx underscore cast. And as always, you can find us at www.thecxcast.com or on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to like and subscribe and tune in next time for more CX Insights. And thank you to producers Ellie and Julia, without whom none of this would happen. If you want to get in touch, email us at cxcast at forrester.com or message us on Twitter at cx underscore cast. As always, you can find us at www.thecxcast.com or on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to like and subscribe and tune in next time for more CX Insights.